Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show group chat is brought to you by State Farm. A State Farm agent has the knowledge and experience to anticipate your needs. And with State Farm, you get more than just an agent. You get a teammate that gets what matters most to you. Go to statefarm.com to get an agent that gets you. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Yahoo. You know what time it is. Bracket time. There's no wrong way to pick teams for the Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em. You do it all through the Yahoo Fantasy app. Join a public group or create a group or join Draymond Green's group for a shot at $25,000. Don't miss out on March Madness. Get your bracket in before the games tip off on March 15th. Build your own bracket now at yahoo.com slash tourney2018. Before we get started with today's Ringer NBA show group chat, I want to tell you about a couple things happening on the Ringer. You should check out Kevin O'Connor's article about the Spurs and it possibly being the end of this glorious run for the Spurs dynasty. This was a hotly debated topic in our office when Kev first brought this up. But, you know, with the Kawhi stuff over the last couple of months and with somewhat of an aging core, some young pieces that are approaching free agency, it's a real turning point time for this franchise. And Kevin kind of breaks it down from every level, both what they have going for them and what they have going against them. So definitely check out Is the Spurs Is This the End of the Spurs Dynasty by Kevin O'Connor on TheRinger.com. And if you want to keep up on the world of basketball, both pro and college, the Ringer Podcast Network is where you need to be. Ringer NBA show almost every day of the week. Draft class, heat check, Kevin and Vernon on uh, Tuesdays. Sources say every other Wednesday and group chat, of course, every Thursday. And then March Madness is here and so are One Shining Podcast guys, Tate and Titus, pretty much constantly. You know, if, if they're not on video, they're on the podcasts and they'll be with you throughout all of the NCAA tournament to keep you up to date on what you need to know and what you need to think about March Madness. So check that out. Now let's get into the Ringer NBA show group chat. Basketball is very good. The Raptors are the best team in the East. Phil Jackson actually saved the Knicks. Mark L. Foltz will be an all-star next year. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's group chat. I am here with Justin Verrier. Hi there. Haley O'Shaughnessy. Is Louisville winning right now? We still have an Academy Awards <laughs> hangover. We're just so obsessed with Get Out and Shape of Water. Yeah, I've just bang, been banging out those uh, those rom-coms and those, those middle-tier dramas. That's right. Middle-tier dramas for you, Haley? Uh, are we still talking about the Cavs? You know, we're talking about Louisville now. <laughs> Middle-tier drama. Uh, no, guys, come on. It's NBA season. Tanking season. It's getting ready for the playoffs time, which is, this is always a little bit of a quiet period for the NBA. You know, we're kind of like not quite independent race, although seeding is really interesting right now because you got so many teams that are bunched up between like three and nine, three to eight. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of those teams that are in that middle tier that we're obsessed with right now. They're not necessarily good, but we're obsessed with them. And we're also going to have Jason Concepcion who's going to come talk to us about his really awesome James Harden versus Russell Westbrook. The argument is over piece that ran on Wednesday, I believe. But first, let's get to a little bit of the more recent happenings in the NBA. And uh, the Cavs are back. Haley, did you are know they that? back? Back? The Cavs are back to which Cavs? Well, th- this is my thing. All new Cavs, <laughs> a bouncy, happy, athletic Cavs. I still think they shoot too many threes. I'm starting to develop a theory in my mind that people are shooting too many threes. What do you guys think about that? I think that last week you just said how much you hated watching the Rockets. <laughs> I think you just hate math is what it comes down to. Maybe I just, I, I just, I think I've seen too many times recently people on fast breaks, teams on fast breaks passing up, making an extra pass for a layup to get like an above the break three. You yeah. Know? There, there are a lot of teams that are prioritizing just easier shots and for the added value of a yeah. three-pointer these, yes. these days. Uh, I think the math works out, though, that that's a better shot. I guess. Are we? <laughs> so we're talking about this. Am I, relitig- <laughs> am I relitigating this? Well, in successive weeks, you've talked about putting guys on the floor and, and hard fouls, and now you're talking about not taking threes. So. I have. Am I getting old in front of you guys' eyes? <laughs> kind of. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I want to talk a little about the Cavs who are... Just they looked really bouncy last night. They beat the Nuggets 113-108. LeBron, incredible LeBron game. I he's out of the MVP discussion, right? We're not it's probably, just too much Harden. They're probably just not gonna win enough. And unlike Anthony Davis, even though the, the Pelicans have about the same amount of wins, he obviously has the late momentum going for him. He had 39, 10, and 8 last night, scored the last nine points. Um Larry Nance Jr. is kind of negating the need for Tristan Thompson to be there. And I was reading on Reddit today, there was some interesting stuff about how basically 
after all of this, after Kyrie leaving, after IT for only a little while, after only a little of Kevin Love this season, that the Cavs' numbers have kind of leveled out to where they should be mm. and where they were last year. And that, you know, the big thing is that At last... At this time last year? It was basically since the tr- the trade, the 10 games or whatever that they've had, that all these guys, that the metrics pretty much are around where they they should be, more or less, for Cavs basketball. Um, LeBron last night told Cassie Hubbard that he thinks he's playing... Like he's at an all time high in terms of how he's feeling. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Great they reference are, for his own play. Well, I mean, she did ask him. I mean, it's not sure. like he was just like, I would, I'll, I want to weigh in on the Black Panther soundtrack, but first <laughs> let me talk about <laughs> where I feel like I am in terms of how I'm playing. That's his entire Instagram, though. So um, we know that. You guys both watched this game last night. Um, what did you see from the Cavs that you liked? And is there anything you saw that you didn't like? It's funny that you already said bouncy twice because that was the first word that came to my mind when I knew that we were going to be talking about Nance. He's so much more energetic by himself than like anything we saw in the Cavs all season. Yeah. It is so much fun to see LeBron with young guys. I don't know why it wasn't a bigger push for that before. I think because LeBron does not like playing with young guys generally. Yeah, but I would argue, well, generally maybe, but this team, he definitely does. He's so happy every time like he dishes it inside and like Nance puts it up for a huge junk. He's so happy every time Jordan Clarkson does anything. Like he's his biggest fan. Like they're all LeBron darlings now. And yeah. he's like, yeah. I just feel like he's really playing like he's happy again, which, you know, is good. If you're LeBron James, and it's you weird. Can do he's gone from peers to proteges. Yeah, yeah. It's gone from like all, all my friends to all these guys who probably grew up watching me. Yeah, yeah, and we know that he loves that. You know, I don't think it was I'm sure calling Kyrie like my son. You know what I mean? Whereas these guys are like, yeah, I'm literally probably old. And Kyrie's like, parenthood is just a construct. <laughs> Pierce the Protege's. That was beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> right like top. Melanda Minsk over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we talked about it right when the trade went down. Like Nance just makes so much sense as a five next to LeBron in today's day and age. Just because he's so athletic. Uh, he's a rim runner. Uh, and you could see that they're able to do more defensively when he's out there. So they have been bouncy, if that's the word of the day. Sure. Uh, I'm still a little concerned. I think we're going through almost like condensed cycles of panic. It's two, 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 two. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was looking up just like who they've beat since the all-star break. They've only won four games. Uh, the first three teams that they beat are combined two and 20 mm. after the break and Denver's four and four. So I'm still waiting for them to beat a team of like of worth Yeah, to really make me see like that they can compete on a level of the Toronto Raptors, let's say. Yeah. But, you know, there are signs. There are signs that they can't put it together because of some of the guys that they got. I think all my excitement that I was just talking about, and maybe, Chris, for you too, is not that I'm like, oh, now they can get back to where they should be. Like, one seed, they'll make it to the finals for sure. I think my excitement is just relative. Mm. Because I kind of saw, like, all year, Tristan Thompson wasn't really the rim protector he was in a couple seasons before. And, you know, it was, like, confusing that Kevin Love was making more sense because... Not that it's confusing because he can't stretch a four and that's great, but like he can't play defense. So where are we going with this when it comes time for the playoffs and someone has to play defense in the front court? It was a catastrophically It was so bad. bad. And then when IT came back and we were like, this is the height. This is what we've been waiting for at the point guard position among all these old guys who like play like 12 minutes each. Yeah. So I think relatively I'm like, Great. Right. Now you guys might be they're, able to do something. They're watchable yeah. again, which is a huge step. I think before they were, get, they were, when they would lose, it was because they were getting their doors absolutely blown off by right. the opposing offense. And now it seems to be more like if the shots are falling, if they're hitting their threes, they're probably going to win. And if they're not, it's up to LeBron to completely create a win. I think the biggest surprise is just that Larry Nance seems to be the best move Kobe Alvin's made in his entire stint, which is only a year now, but it has seen a lot of like high usage from Kobe. Allman. I wonder how the Brooklyn pick will play out. That's interesting. I also think the biggest question going forward is like, where does love fit in? Not only if they get the Brooklyn pick and LeBron comes back, but like, what about late in the season? In the yeah, playoffs? it's strange how the Cavs have sort of I, I, with all the awards talk. And we were talking a little bit about MVP. If the Cavs make it to the finals again, I don't know when the coach of the year is voted on. And I, it's not like I'm like enamored with Ty Lue necessarily, but LeBron and Ty Lue getting this team back to a finals, given what this team has gone through over the season, would be all, sort of unbelievable. LeBron and Ty Lue? Well, because if <laughs> Ty Lue can LeBron? figure, well, if he, but if Ty Lue can figure out what the rotation should be to bring Kevin Love back for the playoffs, and if he can figure out who we can trust in the playoffs, and the, the strange thing is that we haven't had. I think there's been like one 
or two good hood games. Mm-hmm. But George Hill has been scoring like he's not like nine points. Yeah, like last last yeah. night I saw I saw some stuff from Hood. From Hood. Yeah. What did you see? Not like great stuff, but it was just like like a nice ability like pull up inside the lane, yes. hit a jumper. It's just I mean, in Utah it was like, okay, either played too infrequently or they decided like we gotta bring him off the bench, like to really see anything. But I understand why people are so high on his potential. I'm not personally, but like, yeah, he could definitely help. Yeah, that's kind of the book The book on Hood, right? It's mm-hmm. just like he shows flashes, but he can never put it together mm-hmm. for an entire season. So we're talking about LeBron possibly being an MVP, like whether or not LeBron is 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 in the conversation for him. He's obviously always in the conversation, but is it too late for him to make a push? One person who never really, I think, got the do, possibly because they share backcourt duties with Kyle Lowry, is DeMar DeRozan as an MVP candidate this year. Um he does one specific thing that is not highly valued, except for people like me who don't like three pointers and enjoy a shivering forearm to the lane. <laughs> I love mid range jumpers from yeah. classic shooting guards. <laughs> That's my new bit. Um, the Raptors are obviously very real. They are the first team to clinch a playoff position. They beat the Pistons in overtime last night, one twenty one to one nineteen. DeRozan had forty two, including what should have been the greatest game winning shot of all time, a coast to coast. Haley didn't see this, so I'm going to describe it as if it's on the radio. I did, I did, just not Newsflash, DeMond DeRozan goes coast to coast with a 200 gem! But the Pistons took it to overtime. This is kind of sad, because like it was sort of Blake's season in a nutshell. Blake played like really well last night. It had yeah. like He had two game-tying shots to, to keep the game going, and uh, it didn't matter. Fred Van Vliet came through with that corner three. Uh, speaking of peers and protégés, it's been really nice watching Lowry and DeRozan kind of become the elder statesman on this on this Raptors team and mm-hmm. like bringing along some of these younger players. Just really exciting team. The oh, vibes are sure. good. Also low key home game for them in Detroit. Right. A lot of De- Toronto fans. I was right. like, damn, they really filled up this Detroit gym. Way to go. And I was like, oh, these guys are all cheering for the Raptors. That new arena has some problems, man. They traded for Blake, it seems like, in large part because of that. They yeah. needed to fill that arena. There's nobody ever there. I said to someone last night, like, I bet you they had all the people from the higher bowl just sit in those premium seats just so to they didn't fill get it out. embarrassed there's on There's nothing TV. worse than when Phoenix is on national television and there's like 11 people in the lower bowl. I know. And it sounds like there are people in the gym, but it's just like nobody's in the lower bowl. Uh, where where is the Pistons facility located now? Because it was in Auburn Hills, but where is it now? Their arena is downtown. Oh, okay. Yeah. So but all the people who actually like went to Pistons games live in the suburbs. The, yeah. I, I think they have had trouble recently drawing, but I think their idea was we put it downtown. We could we can kind of get everybody involved and they have a nice new arena and we could sell that to people, but really hasn't done much in that market. Even during Blake's debut, I remember yeah. being yeah, like... it was tough. Yeah. It to, was to be fair, empty. it was a little surprising. People might have had plans on a, on a Wednesday night in Detroit. They didn't know. Didn't he have to? Didn't he come and then they had two two days? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. You know, in Detroit, you get a plan a week or two out. <laughs> it's very very Pelicans esque, where it's like they try, try to rush the process a little bit. Yeah, and they just made a big trade, hoping that they can make an impact right away. But you look at the Pelicans crowd; they're still trying to like kind of adapt to basketball and, and and that team. The Raptors are 47 and 17, and they are you know, are they three games? Are they just a couple of inches behind the Rockets and the Warriors, or are they still in a different world? I think it's hard to compare the two. Is it? Yes. They play all the same. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I want to know why we can't con- conceive of them being that group. I think actually part of it is that what we see the Rockets doing, yes, that like both both Chris Paul and James Harden have had trouble in the postseason apart from each other. But I think that seeing them play together so well, along with Clint Capella is kind of like erase that stigma in my mind. Whereas for the Raptors, it's still very real. And that's actually like something that I'm hoping goes away for both of them because they have played so well. Yeah. Better defense than both the Rockets and the Warriors. Oh, absolutely. It really just comes back to, we've seen some stuff. Not to really like evoke Game of Thrones on you now when you're in your off season, but like it's a classic Game of Thrones line. We've seen some <laughs> stuff. <laughs> oh, I was gonna I get was there. Curious. I was setting I'm up. The, <laughs> we were looking to their eyes, Chris. <laughs> okay. I was building right dramatic tension. Wet, I'm sorry, John Snow. I've seen some stuff. <laughs> Seriously, I've seen some stuff. I've got a glimpse into the next season script. Okay, okay. Uh, but no, they, I mean they have a great point differential, but it, it looks like their team. Overall, it's just built for regular season success. When we look at the Warriors and the Rockets specifically, and even the Cavs, and we say, 
hey, they have the, the top tier stars and we know that's what matters in the playoffs. Like we spend so long in the regular season. It's like, what, six months, let's say. And it's just kind of a different game in the postseason. And I'm at the point now where it's like, that's why I'm probably so down on the Raptors. Is I know that it's going to be different enough to where like they, ha- they have to prove that in that set. Why do you say that? You, you think that they spent, they're too dependent on their bench? Yeah, there's a lot of that. And I don't think their superstars are as good as other superstars. Not to be like super reductive, but to a certain extent, like the NBA does come down to your best players. Yeah. And then especially in a seven game series, you'll see that kind of thing. The margins is literally is Lowry is playoff Lowry here or is it regular season? Lowry? I think yeah. I would almost argue it's more DeMar. I think we need to see like DeMar I just do feel that. like I've seen something different from him. Not only the killer instinct to do something like he did last night, which I think he used to be like this volume mid-range scorer who would dominate the ball. And now I just feel like he has taken it. I actually do think he's taken the leap. I do. And I do think that seeing something like that last night of him going coast to coast and yamming on Tolliver is, you know, it's like a fun moment and it's a fun video, but it's also like, oh, like you're not going to let them lose. Like if mm-hmm. you if you feel like you need to get down the court in 4.5 seconds and jam it like to win this game, like you're going to do that. And I, I'm really impressed with them. They're all the numbers. I mean, they're they're just doing the only thing you can ask them to do, which is dominating their conference. They have a top what top 10 offense and defense right yep. and they're 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 playing at the same level that the rockets and warriors are they're just not getting any of the respect i completely understand the sh- prove it to me in the spring idea i i feel the same way about the rockets frankly mm-hmm. so i mean that was just me getting another there's also dig in. the okay you guys are playing against east competition most of the time which is i gotta be honest i'm i I'm not, that doesn't bother me as much this year. Me either. I feel like there's some crappy Western Conference teams or there's some teams oh, in the Western Conference who can be who crappy like, on any given night. I'm I'm trying to be crappy. Yeah. 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 Like you got to see Embiid, you got to see Giannis, you got to see whatever Wizards team you happen to see that night. And the Pacers are no pushovers. Like I don't feel like the the East is as like much of a doormat conference as it is last year. And I, I think that there are some teams in the Western Conference where I'm like, any given night, you guys could suck. Right. I think one of the interesting questions is like, what do we want from the finals? Like, who do we want as just from a fan's perspective to represent the East? Is it better for a team like the Raptors, who's new and fresh and like has something to prove against someone like the Rockets or the Warriors? Or do we want to see another? LeBron and if it's finals? Raptors, Houston, does LA get to claim it because of like DeMar going to USC, <laughs> Paul playing for the Clippers, Harden coming from California? Is that like an LA finals all, all of a sudden? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I, the Raptors would be fun. Yeah, I think I think. In a weird way, that that's what I really want for the NBA Finals this year is a some new something new. Well, just a concept like the consequences and the the meaning of that Finals would be so huge to have the Raptors playing the Rockets and to have it not be a LeBron and Curry Durant Finals. I I'm I'm pretty I'm fairly certain. I, I think the, the Raptors are going to go. La- last season there was even kind of like a like a post depression after the Warriors won, even though like they won and we were like, God, they're so good. It was like, Oh God, they're so good. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. going to have, they're going to be there for the next four seasons until somebody decides they want more money. Right. And so that was kind of like, Oh, it's not going to be as interesting next season because we know who's going to win. So seeing the Rockets there would be huge. Yeah. I just, I would love to see the Rockets there or excuse me, the, the Raptors just because of like, it's a new thing and that'd be fun. I like, I like new experiences. Also, you know that Toronto, like the, the, the arena, the city would just be, it would be like, at a fever pitch. It right. would be so awesome to see that happen to that to that city. A lot of bargains and coupons at Tim Hortons that people could take advantage right. of. Maple logs but in the house. At the same time, I look back at some of the finals and like when one elite team wins a finals and doesn't face the other elite team from the other conference, we're always like, oh, they avoided that team. And it's kind of a yeah, knock on them. their title. Asterix. Yeah, and so I, I don't like that. So, I mean, if it was Rockets... Uh, Cavs, just to see that sort of dynamic play yeah. out with the Rockets taking over the Warriors and kind of entering a new era. That'd be nice. All right. Well, we're going to talk about some teams that probably won't make the finals uh, in just a minute. Uh, we'll be back afterward from our sponsors. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show group chat is brought to you by State Farm with over 19,000 State Farm agents nationwide. You can get an agent that gets you as well as Paul George gets Russell Westbrook, which is the focus of the Ringer's new NBA relationship goals video. Now, I thought this was really interesting because 
Obviously, the Thunder have had an up-and-down season, but on the fly, Russ and PG have sort of developed this incredible chemistry. Paul George is the perfect foil for Russell. He plays well off the ball. He's an incredible defensive player. Uh, His defense has been the bedrock of the Thunder's elite defense this season, and they'll be a really interesting team come the playoffs. We talk about that at at the end of today's show. Be sure to check the video on TheRinger.com or The Ringer's YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com slash The Ringer or their Facebook or our Twitter. And remember, like teammates on the court a relationship with a state farm agent sets you up for success off the court go to statefarm.com to get an agent that gets you and now back to the ringer nba show guys we're back Haley, justin chris group chat uh we'll be joined in a little bit by jason concepcion to talk about james harden and russell westbrook but right now i want to talk about a bunch of these teams that are kind of grouped together in their respective conferences between three and nine and in the East, I think that the Bucks are going to have to like lose every game to not make the playoffs with the eight seed, which makes them kind of a terrifying eight seed. Oh, yeah. That is, a, and, and we can talk about that if we want. But I wanted to touch on a couple of these teams that are in that three, four, five range that you can't quit. There's something about them that you're just kind of, they're, they're, they're engaging and interesting on a nightly basis. Um, Haley, you just got done writing about the Nuggets. I think that that'll probably be up by the time people hear this pod. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you were curious about about the Nuggets and what makes them so interesting to you? So I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Mm. Even though Danny Chow pointed out to me that the rest of their schedule is relatively easy. They should have you know opportunities to get there. I think that they're kind of... I think that there's conflicting ideals going on there, um, especially since Millsap's come back because we've seen how Jokic typically f- thrives, right? And mm-hmm. that's kind of playing fast, up-tempo. He likes to freestyle and uses high basketball IQ to, you know, create these amazing assists. Um, he's really active and cutting and really good at it. He likes to back people down. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously that doesn't translate to great defense, which I think is, has crushed Malone a lot. Mm. All last season, he had to run with this. Even, I mean, he inherited a very, a team that was built to be fast paced. And so I think that, you know, last season when he was like, okay, I got Millsap, I got Plumlee. This is great. Like we can finally kind of adjust Mm -hmm. and do both. Um, and so I think that in January, uh, when Plumlee was out, Millsap was still out. He said, we're going to, I'm going to let them have the reins a little bit more. I'm not going to play as many. I'm not going to call as many plays. That's when they went on the 7-2 run, yeah. right? And then he's started pl- calling more plays again with Millsap. And he actually said, "These are I'm running these to play to Millsap's strengths. Mm-hmm. He wants him to, you know, post up. He The ball's not running through Jokic as much. The thing is, it's like, I think that, Jokic was trying in the beginning. Uh, They've played five games together since Millsap came back. I think he was definitely trying in the beginning and it's frustrating. And I mean, he's down to like really weird, like attempted shots, except for last night against Cleveland Mm -hmm. when he scored 32. 32, Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that he became like really unhappy and distant. And Paul Millsap did or Mike Mullen did? No, Jokic. Oh, and that's why he was. I mean, he took like five shot attempts Mm -hmm. one game. He took nine another game. So I think it's really frustrating for him. And if you watch him, it's mostly like he gets the ball. He passes it away. Yeah, I think they kind of embraced the up tempo. We're going to outscore you identity uh, right before Millsap came back. And it seemed like they had had a a modicum of success that way. It seems like like you were saying, it played into what Jokic was doing. And now they just seem kind of at odds with each other. It certainly plays into into what young players are capable of. It's like, you know, like Gary Harris and Jamal Murray and Jokic are probably happy to see, not disparaging them personally, but are probably happy to see inflated scoring numbers, right? Like both for contract purposes and just for self, like, uh, like identity purposes. And young teams typically, I mean, Ryan Russell was just talking about this the other day about the Sixers, but like young teams just don't know how to play defense. The bad defensive teams in this league tend to be younger. They tend to be the teams like the Kings. They tend to be teams like the Magic, even no matter who's coaching them, whether it's Jaeger or Vogel or Mike Malone. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like these guys, it takes a while to learn NBA defensive concepts to understand some of the more complicated ideas about help and weak side stuff and everything else and you know, you can have t- Sam Gundy screaming form a fucking ball all you want, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do it. And you're right. 
now they've got now they've got this this more of a rigid half court situation going. Um, Jokic might be the the first unicorn that I think needs another unicorn. You know, with, with all these other guys, and we're going to talk about the Pelicans in a second. You're like, this is going to happen. Like th- this will if he stays healthy and they get the right pieces around him, this will happen. This guy will be like an All NBA player. Jokic is the one who I'm like, you're really cool. <laughs> but I don't know whether you you can be the best player on a team. Sure. Well, part of it is he's only playing half of the court. Yeah. Like all these other unicorns, and they have the ability to to be defensive stoppers. They're kind of potentially anchors for those defense. Towns, AD, Giannis. You my, said potential, right? Yes, potentially. All right. Yeah. <laughs> not, I was like, Come not on. Towns, but the other two for sure are, are definitely up there. But with Jokic, he's like, deadlifting somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Jokic might be always the worst defender on your team yeah. and you really have to overcome that which is why Millsap raises their ceiling but now they're kind of adjusting to that where they had something that worked versus what something that could work better but isn't right now. Yeah, he Jokic could be like upgraded Kevin Love. Like he he's got passing instincts that are essentially like you know unparalleled to to me. I mean even Sabonis wasn't even this good as a passer I don't think in terms of like just his his court vision. Mm-hmm. Are you right? Which which Sabonis? <laughs> Devonis, I have not spent that much time with the tapes, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that he needs something else going on. And yeah, his, his defense is also just like who knows what it would be if he was really committed. But he is so not committed. Mm. You know, he stands in the middle. He'll like walk over. It's like his arms go up after somebody already passed it. It's just like so rough to watch. And I'm sure for Malone, it's like very frustrating. Yeah, you think he's because he's big, he's going to be a rim protector, but he's really like slow laterally. I don't know if he has much of a vertical leap. Yeah, I don't know if he has great instincts on that end. So you're really ha- going to have to overcome that. And if like you're built around a Jokic, Jamal Murray team, Gary Harris team, yeah, like but That's, Murray is, specifically, not that great of a defender. This is the interesting question too. Is like you watch the Raptors over the last five years, they've obviously taken a huge leap forward this season by sticking with a certain core and tinkering around. I mean, even Valanciunas is part of that core that they've yeah. had in in place for a long time. If you're the Nuggets, do you have the patience and is this team exciting enough and is Mike Malone a good enough coach where you're like, I think we can just grow with Jokic, Harris, and Murray and and we'll have a Millsap type figure who are bringing in a veteran, a good veteran every year and maybe finally they can get some bench turnover where they've had guys like Fareed and Chandler on that team for years and not done anything with them when I think they've probably all gone past their sell-by date. Mm-hmm. It's just an, an interesting experiment. Another team that is is pretty experimental uh, at this point, is the red-hot New Orleans Pelicans. Hey, now. Justin's wearing a King Baby Cake t-shirt, but I'm the big bird. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I went and saw the Pelicans play the Clippers live this week, and not to be Smoke's Weed once guy, but holy shit, Anthony Davis. Yeah, pretty good. I've never seen him live. Oh. And, uh... I was fucking impressed. Yeah, I, I feel like such like the the wet blanket in in the Slack chats because I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this already. I know. I mean, you you got to, you were basically you were on the beat for a while with that. With some of some of his what his first two seasons. Uh, the the past two seasons. The past two seasons. Yeah. So um, I didn't know that he was probably he was probably the best shooting guard on the floor against the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, on the on the entire court, he was. And the thing that's really cool about him is it's not like um, oh somebody let the big guy dribble. Like he got like low to the ground and was like actually like looking at angles and and his stroke. I think he could probably just take 10 threes a game mm-hmm. and, and and make half of them. Maybe. Yeah, he's just he's not as comfortable with it as like you expect. He, but he his shot is perfect. For nice it. shot. And you're just kind of like, well, nobody could ever get a hand up. No. So like, why not maybe just do that all game? Yeah. This is now this wildly funky team. I don't, I mean, you know, Bill tweeted something today that suggested there was a Ewing theory involved with Cousins, I think. Mm. Um, they, they've basically not, I don't think they've lost since Boogie went out, have they? I think they've lost, but they haven't lost since the break. Yeah, they're 12 and 5 since Boogie went down. So I don't, yeah, that's right. I I don't think, think it's 100% Ewing theory, though. I think it's that Anthony Davis is like, you know what? I'm fucking doing this. They're it's just that. going to him more. It's that, and it's 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 maybe this is the offense Gentry always should have been running. This is my, my favorite take. You do it. It's your no, take. No, no, no. I feel like I know because I I feel like it's like I'm like I've showed up and it's like you've been watching a band for 20 years <laughs> and I'm like this band is awesome. Here's what they do. You can still appreciate the solos. Okay, just go ahead. All right. No, I 
I think for the longest time, they had to make the DeMarcus Cousins trade. It made too much sense. It also saved a lot of their jobs, potentially. Yeah. It raises their ceiling to another level because in today's NBA, there's just no one that can combat the, the AD boogie sort of dynamic. I still think that AD is at his best as a stretch five in today's NBA, especially if you look at him. I was watching that Clippers game from afar. He's big, man. He's, he is very big. He's almost as big as DeAndre Jordan these days. And like there were centers like Harold just bouncing off that dude. Yeah. But if you do not make the Cousins trade, let's say, and you commit to Elvin Gentry's system and his vision for a D one and for the team in general, now you're looking at, let's say they just tanked and they got another draft pack draft pick. You're looking at, let's say Lonzo Ball. You're looking at Drew Holiday, a wing, Anthony you Davis, and Meritich. And you still have Buddy and you still have Tariq uh, Evans. Well, you'd have to bring him back probably on the same minimum contract that he's on now. He could run that second unit. I even tweeted about this, that, that game. I think if they had a guy like him in that game, he makes perfect sense for that second unit. They had such a wild, like there were some wild lineups out there. It was like Diallo, Miritich, Rondo. I was like, this is like the village of the damned. I can't believe what <laughs> yeah. I'm watching. And when a they, they stuck around when AD wasn't on the court. And when AD was on the court, they just blew the doors off. That being said, mm. there was definitely a moment where I like, oh no, he just tore his abductor muscle. And that was during the Clippers <sighs> yeah. game. And then last night he went down really hard on his ankle against the Kings. X-rays were negative. If it's a high ankle sprain, I think they are like 99% to make the playoffs according to 538 or something like that. I mean, like they're, they're, they're high up there. It's high up there. So I guess they could almost, I don't think they could lose out, but they could, they could suffer for a couple of weeks. Um, I think that the Davis thing is always going to be, can he stay on the floor? You know, and, and, and even when he has a season like he's having now, you're just always afraid. And it, what's wild is that like, he, I feel like he actually could do more. I was watching him like against the Clippers. I was like, he could block any shot. Any shot he could get to, and just he just like would watch a guy come off of like a, a screen on the on the on the elbow, and you could see him sort of tracking him like a panther. Like he was like, <laughs> "I got you." Like you're just not going to score. Harold, I mean, like, and Harold had like a career night, and it was still like Anthony Davis could do anything he wanted against him. What what team could he do more in, in your opinion? If he goes to Boston, I will quit participating in the <laughs> NBA conversation. I will not watch any more NBA games because that would be. For me personally, as a Philadelphian, uh, it would suck. Mm -hmm. It would also be like a direct move against Embiid. Mm -hmm. And although Embiid, AD, for the next five years, Ooh. if either of those guys could stay healthy, that would be like going back to like true, true center basketball that I really love. You know, yeah. I would love to see AD. <laughs> <laughs> I love seven footers banging down low. I was going to let that one go. I mean, as a basketball fan, I would just, I can't wait until AD plays with like just four other amazing teammates. Yes. Just, he's going to go to another level. And like, we're already talking about this guy as a hall of famer based on his production thus far. Yeah. Like you look at, you project him out. He's just on the same line as like Shaq and some of these other guys. It's insane. But get him with like Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And holy shit, this dude is going to be amazing. Speaking of the Sixers, <laughs> why don't you tell me a little bit about why you're, you can't quit the Sixers? I just think they have what a lot of the other teams that we're talking about in this middle tier don't. They just have an identity one and they have the type of elite talent, young talent that's still kind of growing into the, their themselves and playing around each other's. And it's really starting to come to fruition we're starting to see like we put something in slacks the other day i forgot who tweeted it out but a lot of the met projection systems of metrics are projecting the sixers as the three seed in the eastern conference yeah also some markel fultz was dunking before the game the other day <laughs> so they've got that to look forward to yeah I, all right one step at a time but th th this has been they did a subtle rejiggering of their team uh their second unit was was an adventure every night you know mm -hmm. and it, it was uh there was times where you'd be watching and you're like, wow, they're really Trevor Booker's getting a lot of time out here, you know? And I think that the ad, adding Ilyasova and Bellinelli, I'm it's not that that's not the kind of thing that makes new fans, but it's the kind of thing that wins more games probably. Yeah, sure. And I, I think they have on the good side, they have someone like Embiid and like who is guarding him in the playoffs. Do the Raptors have a guy to counter him? Do the Celtics and the Cavs have anyone who can counter him at his peak and, and healthy? On the other hand, Kevin O'Connor wrote the other day, uh, which is a good piece, just comparing Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram. Yeah. And there's still questions about Ben Simmons in the half court in the fourth quarter, simply because if he can't shoot, he the whole team becomes way more predictable. And you wonder what's going to happen in a playoff setting. So they're very intriguing uh, just for that reason. Ben Simmons right now, is like Rondo of Rondo dunked it every time he got to the hoop. 
Big Rondo? Is that Big, <laughs> Big Rondo? Rondo. It's that same <laughs> thing where you're like, you have a wide open shot, you have a wide open shot, you have a wide open shot. And then Rondo goes under the hoop and does like a crazy pass to like skip pass to the other side of the court. Ben Simmons just dunks it. And yeah. I, so that will be interesting to see what happens if teams actually start shutting off those lanes or contesting his shots a little bit more at the rim. Um, I, 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 I also just think his court vision is so un unbelievable that it's it, it changes the the geometry of the court what do you think about how the Sixers have been playing well I think I just can't quit on them I can't quit watching them because I don't feel any need for them to get the three seed or to get you know to yeah. to get out of the first round or anything this season I'm like watching these guys who are going to be amazing in a couple of years yeah. next year who I mean they're already amazing and I really watch the Sixers like these two are the future and it's very exciting because I'm like, they're both going to be there next year, too. Yeah. Chris, where are you at it? Like, do you want them to get the three? And like, is it important to you at all? Um, I would love that for them to not have to get the LeBron steamroller treatment in the first round. So right now that they're the six and the Cavs are the three. I, I think it would be an incredible achievement for them to get the third seed in the Eastern Conference, for sure. So Just so they could sell to LeBron, like, you're the missing piece? Yeah, or it's just so that they... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> you caught me. Um, <laughs> I, I think it would be exciting to see them compete against a, a Wizards or a Pacers in the first round. I think that that would be a winnable series for them, for sure. Uh, we're going to take another quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back with Jason Concepcion. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Belvedere, produced in one of the world's longest running distilleries. Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 16, and 17. Belvedere's unparalleled quality is reminiscent of the King, a.k.a. LeBron James's recent run, where he has made the NBA Finals an astounding seven consecutive times from 2011 to 2017, including three NBA Finals MVP awards. LeBron, whether with the Heat or the Cavs, always plays basketball with the utmost quality, just like Bel Belvedere Vodka. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka and remember to always drink responsibly. Today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show is also brought to you by Hotel Tonight, Fun fact, unlike flights or other travel, hotel rates usually get cheaper at the last minute. In fact, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book a room. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. It's perfect for when you're busy or you don't want to overthink things. Plus, you can book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. Book next week, tonight. Book next month, tonight. Book Easter Sunday, tonight. It's great for last-minute getaways or a quick staycation, whether you're a planner or like to leave things to the very last minute. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. We're back. It's group chat. And now we have a bigger group because Jason Concepcion's here. What's up? Yes. Applaud that man. Thank you. Applaud him because he wrote a banger column this week. I appreciate that. Uh, Jason wrote about Russ versus Harden, which is an argument that has torn the ringer apart for so long. Um, now I feel like there's nobody else on my team uh, uh, well, except for like maybe Gallagher about just like where I still defend Rust. I'm here. Okay, thank you. I, well, you don't, you're not very vocal about it. I know. I take a lot of slings and arrows in the in the in Slack channels. What's the argument? Let's distill it down. Because That's I need Sean Fantasy to like me. Just to be clear. Well, All right, you Jason. really don't. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Don't worry about it. I think defining the argument is important. I think because to me, the debate, my position is the debate is not a debate anymore. Harden is better than Russ, right? I think every I think even Russ fans are like, yes, I agree with that in the yes. sense that if you define better as easier to build a team around, has a game more predicated to the way the league is trending. Right. And makes guys better in a fashion that is commensurate with winning. The third one is the most important. If you want to win basketball games, James Harden is your guy. Yeah, that's what I'm. But now How about this if is, you want to feel good about watching basketball? Yes. Though? That's now You're that's all about see, the experience. That's another <laughs> thing. If, if you, you define are. it as that, I, like that's fine. Like I have no. I love Russ. I love watching Russ. I, do I think that he's the guy that you go to the championship with? Maybe I think it's harder to assemble that team than it is around James Harden. I don't think there's anything romantic about watching Russ fail. 
There's that's not what this is about. Right. And I actually think that up until Kevin Durant left, that wasn't really a consideration. Yeah, it wasn't like he didn't fail very often. He went to a conference. He went to the NBA Finals. They went to the conference finals. They were basically a, a Clay Thompson hot streak away from beating Ooh. one of the great all time NBA teams in the conference finals. I I adored their like the Kev and Russ friction because I thought it yeah. was so nakedly like psychological when you yeah. watched it you were just like oh who's gonna these two great players who obviously like each other but are obviously bad for each other what's gonna happen here and well it's not like Kevin Durant wasn't bad for Russell Westbrook I think Russell Westbrook was it it didn't make Kevin as efficient as he could be yeah yeah and, and you look at the talent they assembled they have three MVP candidates three guys that will probably ultimately win MVPs yes. on that team and Serge Ibaka and Thabalcephalosha, but whatever. Yeah, um, and Nick Collison. <laughs> but yeah. the fact that they only <laughs> went to one finals is disappointing, especially when you look at what Kevin Durant has done outside of Russ and what other guys are doing outside of Russ now. Jason brought it up in his piece. Like, look at Oladipo. Look at Ennis Cantor just eating in New York. Like, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. Oladipo's personally, personal style really requires him to have the ball a lot more than he ever would yes. with Russ. Yeah. Yeah, a fair. lot more than he ever would with a couple other point guards, too. Well, that was the hope with Paul George. I, yeah. I don't know if we can necessarily put an asterisk on this season just because Roberson ruptured his patella. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, like, I sure. I think that they were they were on a hot streak there. Yes. I don't... They were an elite defensive team. They mm -hmm. were, Certainly. yeah. And they had a, a certain big game attitude that was very terrifying, I think, for some of the bigger teams. I think that that defensive intensity that you're talking about, and yeah, they would lose to the Wolves. They would lose to the Kings here and there, but like they would be, they could, they beat the Warriors first times, a couple times they played them. Having they beat said the Rockets. that, we, we always used to talk about this during the, the Thunder debate of 2000, early, late 2017, their identity was on defense. Yeah. yeah. And Russ didn't contribute to that. He was yeah. actually the worst defender on the floor for them a lot of the times. It's very Derrick Rose-esque where it's like, now that we value both sides of the court equally yeah. or at least close to that, you have to factor in that he's not a, a big part of the best part of them. For me, it's it's like, it's about margins. You know, the, no one's saying Russ is bad, mm. which I think is like the uh, what people who are critical of like the, the pro-hardened stance would say, especially on, on Twitter where people are, are normal. Um, <laughs> it's like you know if you the way Russ plays will win you games will they win you all the games you need to win not all the time you know it's like it comes down to at times that final shot passing to KD when he you know instead of passing to KD he takes a pull up three you know like early in the clock those decisions lose you playoff games in the long run. What was run. the stat that you screenshotted or that you had a tweet in there? It was a screenshot. It was something like when Russ shoots over 17 field goal attempts, they're like sub 500 team. And when he shoots less, they're like 12 and one or something. And that's sort of, this is, this is the problem is that I don't yeah. think anybody, even somebody like Sean, who doesn't like, you know, who, who really laid out uh, his argument in the last year and against Russ, this post he wrote for the, for the site that it's more about what he does to the players around him. Yeah, that's the thing. And that he's sort of doomed to be this great player on a 500 team rather than the leader of uh, a team that's going to the finals, right? Yeah, I also thought what you said was interesting. And I think that it's a product of last season and a little bit the season before. They're just all of a sudden extremely pitted against each other. And so much so that you can't just admit that both of them are good. It's like, no, this one's superior. And you have to make yeah. that choice because of how much, especially last year, Russ won the MVP. A lot of pe people thought Harden, but even before that, during the season, it's like, you can't, you can't just say like, no, Russ is still very good yeah. at basketball. You have to say like, Russ is not as good well, as they're, Harden. They're interlinked in a way that like Curry and Russ aren't, you know, because yeah. they were all on the same team and it's, yeah. and it's hard to escape the, seemingly uh more it's seemingly more obvious every day that Presti had three MVP level players and kept the worst one. Yeah. Worst. You okay, know, he's still so very here, good. But me, like here's the counter to that. Yeah. Um is there anything that is there a, a way in which maybe the Thunder never evolved past the obvious athleticism that was that team is yeah. constructed around, and that Harden and Durant have both gone to teams that have seemed to seemingly unlocked a next level of basketball. I mean, yeah. 
they play he one plays for Mike D'Antoni, one plays for Steve Kerr, both of whom share a lot of the same offensive like f- philosophies. They have general managers who are seeing things in a different way. Presti's really good with what he has, but there is a degree to which he's almost like Billy Bean. Like he is yeah. he can't really attract a free agent to Oklahoma City. Uh and I don't even know if he has in the past because I mean there was that whole thing when Durant one of the reasons why Durant was also like, I kind of have to leave Oklahoma is because like, what was it? Pal Gasol wouldn't even yeah. mm-hmm. consider coming to Oklahoma. And it's like, that was Pal Gasol. He wanted so, to go to the theaters in Chicago. Yeah, he was like, like I'd rather literally. go lose in Chicago and live in Chicago than yeah. win in Oklahoma. I mean, same. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Oklahoma Chicago versus Chicago? Oklahoma. Wow. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, Pal also has chips. So it's like, you know. Yeah, he was. He's right. got rings. So he's like, yeah. Right. Helio Shaughnessy, friend of the Midwesterners. Yeah. Just tearing them down. Well, it's not necessarily tearing them down. It's just like Chicago is very appealing. Mm. Not oh, yeah. that Oklahoma oh, yeah. doesn't yeah. have Oh, I thought you were like, Oklahoma things. City is as nice as Chicago. Yeah, yeah that's in. what I thought you were going for. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I mean, I think you make a, a good point about just the environment and the yeah. fact that they've almost gravitated coaching-wise toward task managers and like uh, the type of college coach, like the Nick Saban of right. NBA coaches. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, what coach in the world is telling Russ to play differently? If you have yeah. Russ and your team is built around him, who's saying like, no, I yeah. ball isn't the way to do Who it. Who has the to, juice to do that? Yeah. You need like, to pass it to Thomas Cephalosha. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's what I wonder is if you have, if Russ plays for pop, if Russ plays for Stevens, if Russ plays for Spolstra, you know, the, we're not so far removed from when we used to imagine Russ on another team. I'm yeah. wondering what the sliding door is like, what it would have looked like if he had ever played in a different system. In a different, he is Oklahoma City now. This is kind of, it does kind of remind me of what happened with Iverson after the finals years, yeah. where it was like they just brought in a cavalcade of Larry Hughes type guys to, <laughs> to pair with him and it never worked out. And so you sort of wonder now. Back then, in the early 2000s, you were just kind of like, Skies got signed to like six, seven-year contracts. They never went anywhere. You know, for Oklahoma City, and we've talked about this a lot, maybe it's a broken record at this point, but a lot of these smaller market teams are going to have to consider selling high on their stars to do these kinds of rebuilds. And one thing that we've seen from Presti is a a certain amount of aggression and a certain amount of, you know, risk-taking. And I wonder whether or not, if Paul George leaves and they're stuck with Carmelo... (laughs) Uh, Steven Adams and Russ, and you can't really do a whole lot with that. Like, what do you do? You I, know, Russ has what two more years after this yeah. on his deal before he can opt out? Oh no, he just signed that big the extension. massive extension of the two hundred. But isn't there an opt out in it? I I'm not sure. I be, I believe he's locked in for like four or five more years. Okay, all right. I mean, to me, I I can't see. Presty being the guy who moves him because if you it would have to be Westbrook yeah and I don't think Westbrook would ever leave. I yeah, don't think I, Westbrook would ever not say like I can do it here. I feel like because at, at then the judgment on Presti is, I think, pretty dire once he ends up trading Westbrook. And now you're left with, with nothing. You had these three MVP guys, one of the most promising teams in the league. They went from like 30 wins to 50 wins like in a season. The trajectory was sky high. And then you are left with like nothing. They're so influential. I, there is can't. such an influential team. When you think about all the other teams around who are like, well, we could try and do what the Thunder did. We can get Giannis yeah. and two other guys who we can pair with him that we draft and we control and we can get unmanageable contracts. I mean, he hit three home runs and a triple in the in consecutive <laughs> drafts. Yeah, you know? it's amazing. KD, Westbrook, Harden, Ibaka. It was yeah. just like boom, 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 boom. And then Adams later on, and, who's very good. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's and then, the and then dream. basketball changed yes. too drastically for them to adjust. Yeah. One of the interesting things I think about Harden in this year is that he's better. He's yeah. better than last year. He's like significantly better. He has a PER over 30, which is like leading the league. Michael Jordan esque elite level. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because he's no longer tri- uh, chasing triple doubles in yeah. the way that he was last year, clearly. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, his usage rate is higher. So yeah. you could also say he's playing more like Russ, but like maybe his teammates are just a little bit better and he's getting more guys involved. This is this fascinates me about uh, basketball right now because we've been told like for the last decade plus like iso ball is bad. Um, now through analytics and just seeing different looks, having a better awareness of the way possessions are used, it's just all about context, right? Yeah, like everything's if it, relative. If, yeah. if, it, if it works, if you can score efficiently in an iso, then do it. And if you have the most efficient ISO score in the league and surround them with shooters and just let them work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really, it's really amazing how the perception of the league has changed. It's, in that way. It, it is. It's so many teams would love to play the way the Rockets do, where yeah. you have Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, uh, Gerald Green, whoever you have standing out in those spots, 
and you just have one of the two elite ISO players in the league grinding up clock and then drawing all this geom- this sort of gravity towards them. And if right. you've got guys who can 35 footers, it's unbeatable. And imagine who would have thought that Harden's usage rate would have been higher yeah. with Chris Paul. Yeah. That's absurd. Yeah. That that doesn't make any sense. And it makes me think, okay, none of us believe that Chris Ball said he wanted to like spot up and not have as many responsibilities, but he was being earnest. Yeah. And it's honestly like it's, it is another check in the Harden's category because everybody thought there's only one ball. Yep. Harden breaks under pressure. Yep. What's he going to do the first time Chris Paul tells him not to go out on a Friday night or whatever? And honestly, <laughs> just obviously <laughs> clearly hasn't mattered. And Russ was dealt a pretty winning hand this year. Yeah. And they haven't been able to make it work. And I don't yeah. know whether it's because Billy Donovan's playbook isn't good enough for and I don't know whether or not there is a playbook, but Russ breaks it every time down. Yeah. Obviously, there is a game plan in which Russ doesn't take that many shots and the Thunder are a better team, but he's not going to do that. Danny Chow put something in, in Slack the other day, which I think is pretty fascinating. After AD's big performance against the Clippers, he said, where would AD, this year's AD rank in last year's MVP race? Mm. Yeah. Well, and that was Tate's tweet from a couple of weeks ago where he yes. was like, but by any metric, Harden's the MVP. He is already the MVP this year. But if we're using the like emotional narrative conversation that we had last year with Russ, AD is the MVP. Well, and my response was AD is just doing what he did last year. It's just his teammates are a little bit better. Yeah. And then like my head exploded because then you're getting into this slippery slope where it's like, well, how much does context matter? How much yeah. is this person's like we always say like, oh, Russ won the MVP because he carried a team that didn't have enough guys around him. But then, like, why wouldn't AD be the same thing yeah. last year? It's just well, but like, also ah. emotionally, it's like, oh, my God, Boogie went down. And, and now he's, he's yeah. doing yeah. this. Wins. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an incredible debate. I think, you know, I, I, we, we, you can look at it just simply through the lens of, like, what do you want your team to look like yeah. and how do you want your team to play? Or you can look at it through the lens of, like, what do you care about when you watch basketball? And I have an emotional reaction. I have an aesthetic reaction when I same. see the Thunder play versus what see the Rockets play. The Thunder can be grindingly unentertaining to watch and really frustrating, but there is something naked about the way that they're like, they play. I 100% agree. There's a, there's a, there's a counterculture element to them of like, oh, this is how you're supposed to play with the, Spacing the passing, fuck that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm dunk just, on I'm you. Gonna just I'm gonna try dunk and on you. Go and as hard what? as I can. Yeah, right. And then I'm gonna scream in your face. Yeah, like, and what? That's a great. It is dope. Yeah. I like. I react to that on an emotional level. It's kind of hard when you watch James Harden go to the line and go to the line and go to the line and go to the line again. He goes to the line, and then he grinds another up, wide open three for somebody else. Up yeah, 18 seconds of the clock, like it's 1996. I mean, really looks like the 90s yeah. sometimes out there, and it's so based on well, here's the most efficient. Uh, ways to score and I'm just going to lean on these things and it, I don't care what it looks like I don't care about anything else that's can leave you cold at times at the same time it's like do we want to win or do you want to be entertained it's like you, those things aren't mutually exclusive well we'll be having this conversation again because it's very possible that this could be a first round playoff matchup which would be again. pretty exciting uh, until next time for Haley Justin Jason Concepcion thanks for joining us I'm Chris Ryan this has been Group Chat talk to you next week basketball is very good Basketball is very good.